Welcome back to the Down to Earth podcast. We live in such a fast-paced society, which often leaves us feeling disconnected and out of balance with who we truly are. Now, more than ever, it's important to find a mindfulness practice that allows us to go inward and connect with our highest and deepest selves. In this episode, we're thrilled to be joined by acclaimed meditation teacher, kundalini expert, wellness guide, and mindfulness coach, Erica Polzinelli from Evolve by Erica. Erica has an immense amount of insight and knowledge regarding all things meditation, manifestation, kundalini, mindfulness, energy work, breath work, cleansing our energy fields, and how to live balanced and fulfilled lives. This is an episode you don't want to miss. Here we go. Welcome to the Down to Earth Podcast. We're your hosts, sibling duo, Jonathan and Lorena. In this podcast, we'll be spilling the tea on all things health and wellness related. This podcast is designed to motivate you to take care of your physical, mental, and spiritual health. We'll be bringing on doctors, healers, fitness experts, business leaders, and innovators. Thanks for joining us in our mission of making the world a healthier, happier, and a more down-to-earth place. Here we go. Hey, Erica, how are you today? Hi, good. How are you? Doing well. Thank you so much for joining us. Of course. I'm so excited to be here. Wonderful. Well, I'd love to get started by learning a little bit more about your background. My sister and I are both really big fans of your work and all the incredible content that you put out there. So I'd love to get to know a little bit more about you and what ultimately propelled you to where you are today. Sure. So my journey, I guess my official journey started in 2017 where I was experiencing extreme levels of anxiety, panic attacks, uh, very frequent panic attacks. And I, I think the anxiety that I lived with my whole life finally came to a peak. And really, I needed to figure out what I was going to do to get this under control because I started to recognize, um, I, I recently had moved in with my fiance at the time, who's now my husband. And I started to recognize that what I was going through didn't have to be my normal. Other people didn't live like this and didn't have to suffer each day with the anxiety and panic that I I lived with inside my body and my mind. And I had recently actually gone plant-based. I was inspired by a friend to start going eating more plants and going mostly plant-based. And after going plant-based, I started to feel a really big shift inside of me where I also moved by the beach. So I feel like all of these things like play a role, right? Having the nature of the ocean, the sand to grounds, starting to change your diet, eating a lot of plants. And I started to feel this deep sense of gratitude that I never really felt before. Like I would go outside and just feel so grateful for that experience and so grateful to be near the ocean, so grateful to be able to go for a walk. And But I was still experiencing anxiety and panic attacks. And I one day I heard the message that I need to start meditating. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. All of a sudden an inner voice like popped up very clearly. That wasn't a thought of fear. And I was like, okay, well, well, that's interesting. I don't know the first thing about meditation. And, but I'm open. I'm open to do whatever I have to do <laughs> to get this under control. And serendipitously, a, the practice of Kundalini Yoga meditation found me through social media. And I tuned in to about a five minute, three to five minute practice. And 
I finally felt relief that I've never felt before in my life. And it was in a very short amount of time telling you it was like a three or five minute exercise. And the relief I felt was so outstanding. I remember just lying there. My body was vibrating and I was like, oh my gosh, what is this? I need to do this every day because I feel amazing. And I remember just saying like, I feel like this must be what calmness feels like because it was so foreign to me. I never, I, I felt like I never really experienced that. So I started practicing a little bit each day, which guided me to step in and start to teach this. That was never my intention as I went into training, but it quickly became clear that that was part of my life path and my dharma, that I was meant to share a practice that can really bring a lot of relief and help to other people. And it doesn't have to be 90 minute class. It doesn't have to be close to two hours. We could actually find it in these baby steps and in these micro meditations and moments. So that's kind of how it all started. And now I'm so gratefully sharing this with so many people and it's, it's very exciting. And it's so interesting how sometimes you go through these things and you're able to look back so many years later and be like, maybe I went through that so I can help so many other people. And you have that gift of being able to be like, well, I went through it myself so I can really understand what someone else is going through. Absolutely. And I think that is a really big part of this life. And especially now as a teacher or a healer or whatever it is, anyone would want to call me. I don't even know what my title is, but every time I experience something that's of a challenge, it opens my perspective and you gain more, so much more empathy and understanding and experience for what other people are going through as well. Absolutely. Now for people who are unaware of what Kundalini yoga is, because that's a very specific practice. Can you explain? Yeah. Yeah, So Kundalini is a practice that's made up of breathwork, mantra, meditation, and specific movements. It is extremely specific. The timing is very specific. The movements and poses are very specific. The breathwork ratios are very specific. And I feel it's funny because this is me in a nutshell. I went from like zero to a hundred, like Kundalini is a very intense practice. And that's kind of, I think my life, like it's like all or nothing at all. So it is an intense practice and it could be a lot. It could even be intimidating to a beginner, but I feel like I found a way to share this in a very digestible and approachable way. And like I said before, it could just be three minutes of these really powerful breath works and you, your nervous system completely feels it. So it's a combination of those things. When I first started, I remember, as I said before, I didn't meditate at all. And chanting mantra was very woo-woo to me. And I remember sitting in training, by the way, training was the first time I ever did this outside of my own home with other people in a room because it was a very, I, I always did it at home by myself. But I remember sitting in training and and we would be there from like 9 a.m. to like 6.30 p.m. And at 6.15, our teacher wanted us to like start chanting. And like at that moment, like I was like an hour away from home. I just like wanted to get home on a Sunday to go back to my full-time job. I was an elementary school teacher. And I'm sitting there like, what is chanting going to do for me? Like what on earth could that possibly do for me? And I was all in it for like the breath work and that high and that relief you got from the breath. And then soon, the more breath work we do, the more energy we move and the more clear of a channel we become. And then mantra became that thing for me next. So I could, I can, I mean, yesterday I was in the salt cave with a few friends and that's what we do on Wednesday mornings around 5am and we chanted for an hour and a half. <laughs> so it's like you find your entryway 
and it evolves. And I think that's that's a big part of why I started Evolve by Erica is like things are always changing. You are always changing. And if anyone has listened to this and has tried Kundalini and it wasn't for them, you never know. You never know. And that's for any type of healing, sound healing, meditation, any form. Our consciousness is changing so quickly. And especially if we're doing all of this healing work and you never know what is going to bring you to like, I want to say like that next state of consciousness or open up some more space within yourself, however you want to say it or visualize it. But yeah, it's a very, very powerful and potent practice. Yeah. And I feel like with all things, it's super important to keep an open mind. I feel like a lot of times people might be closed off to things because they seem like you said, woo or different or not what we grew up being told. But in order for any type of healing to really help you, there there has to be that component of being open-minded and trying it and seeing what happens. Yeah, absolutely. It's so true. It is very true. And that's the first step. That's the first step to everything greed is having an open mind, trying something new and seeing where it could take you. And it's an experience. Absolutely. Now I'm curious, because I know you mentioned that you had, you know, these challenges, right? That you were seeking these solutions to. Once you started to make these positive life changes, I'm assuming it wasn't just all the way up, everything changed overnight. Like it took consistency. And I'm sure there were still off days and two steps forward, one step back. So was that the experience? And if that was, how did you motivate yourself to keep going and keep trying and trying to find the light at the end of the tunnel? Really good question. I do want to start off by saying that this practice is known to be a very quick and effective practice. So it does help you. And that's why some people might be scared or intimidated when they like Google Kundalini or look it up because it is a very quick and potent practice and it could take you from point A to point B very very fast. So it was a very quick journey for me. But with that, it was fast because I dedicated every single morning to it. And on the mornings that I didn't do it, I felt the difference. And at the time I was an elementary school teacher and I would go into school and I would feel more present, more grounded, more patient, happier, just more meaning to what, even though I knew that wasn't my dharma and what I was meant to do the rest of my life, I found so much more meaning to it after this practice. And it really started to change my brain and my perspective and the way I thought and even access to more information and and higher wisdom. But there, there of course were up and downs where there would be triggers. And specifically, I struggled with health anxiety. I'm not going to say only health anxiety. I I was very anxious all around, (laughs) but very triggered by with health anxiety and by going to doctors. And I love that you're a naturopath because I mean, that's where my journey really changed as well. When I finally found a doctor that sat down and like didn't have traditional doctor clothing on or or office and we sat down at a desk and he interviewed me for 2 hours and that started to show also play a role into this and and see that there are other ways there are other paths that we could go and we just have to follow our intuition in doing that but i think in the times that were challenging i would notice I would notice a shift in myself and I would remind myself what grounds me and what really helps me to feel my best. And each time it was bringing myself back to my meditation practice every morning. And when the anxiousness rose and just living on the earth right now as an empath or a sensitive, highly sensitive person, 
there's going to be days we feel anxious and not know why or feel energy that may not even be ours and not know where it is, where it came from just by being here right now. So I have this little motto when things get hard or when those feelings do come up, it's earlier, longer, and deeper. So an earlier practice before the sunrise, because there's so much to that. You guys probably know, but if your listeners don't, first of all, everyone else is sleeping pretty much except like the yogis and the people doing all of this work. So you're getting up ahead of all of the energy. You're getting ahead of the energy on earth. And the energy on earth at that time is different because of the light. So it's more of an infrared rather than the UV energy. And it helps us to really do that deep inner healing work, get into the subconscious, clear it out and heal it. So if things heat up a little bit in that department of anxiousness or intense energy, I go earlier, longer, and deeper. So I try to wake up a little bit earlier. I go a little bit longer in my breath work or my practice and deeper. And however, that might be more movement, that might be more mantra, it might be more breath work, depending on whatever it is that I feel I need. And that's like doing the work too, because I think a lot of times in the society that we live in right now, we always want to put a bandaid or we've been taught to put a bandaid on what we're feeling. And that's kind of the easy way out. And it's not to say that sometimes in someone's moment or in the chapter that they're in, that's what they might need, but you've committed to waking up early, which is not comfortable and putting Mm -hmm. yourself in uncomfortable situations to really make yourself feel better without just putting a bandaid or masking the symptoms or the emotions that you're feeling. Yeah. And I think the practice also, I don't want to say forces you, but it gives you the awareness of how you're feeling. And then from there, it gives you so many perspectives on why you might be feeling it and helps you to be very introspective. And it's true. It is work. And I tell people that very often it is work. And sometimes it's like an all day commitment, especially some of the mindset training I had to do in the beginning of my journey too, because my neurons were so used to thinking worst case scenario and going to literally the worst case scenario. And all day I had to work to redirect my thoughts. Like, no, Erica, that's not what we're thinking anymore. We're actually thinking this. And I coupled that with the Kundalini practice because that's what it also helps us to do, to create those new neural pathways so that we can create new thoughts, create our new go-to thoughts so that we're not in that fight or flight mode. But it is, it's it's definitely work, but it is very, very much worth it. Yeah. And I was actually going to ask you, you know, I think a lot of people are probably in the mindset that you used to be in, right? Where you're always thinking worst case scenario, you're constantly in a state of anxiousness and it's not always easy, right? To redirect those thoughts, or Mm -hmm. you might be able to for a minute and then they come back. So where are some good places to start for people who haven't really done too much inner work, but struggle with that constant stress that they pretty much put onto themselves? I think first observing the thoughts that are going on inside your head and a lot, most of them are recycled. I, there's there's a percentage, I don't know it offhand, but most of the thoughts we have are recycled and recurring. So identifying like what is that dialogue and what are those thoughts or those negative thoughts or those fearful thoughts that are constantly reoccurring. And now I want you to flip it and make it into an affirmation or a mantra and have that in your pocket. So for instance, when I would get anxious, about something related to health, my go-to would be, I am in perfect health, simple, easy, and I could pull it out anytime I needed it. 
And the longer we sit with the thoughts, the more momentum builds and the more energy is behind it. And then it becomes an emotion. And then the body starts to believe that it's actually experiencing what we're thinking. So it is imperative that we're we're ready. We have the mantra affirmation ready because as soon as the thought comes in, we really need to shut it down as soon as possible so that the momentum doesn't grow. So I think just first observing what are those thoughts that you're trying to shift and recreate and then catching them as soon as possible and then following up with a mantra affirmation. I think that's really important. And it's also, again, like you said, you become much more introspective and you know the root of why, like, why am I feeling anxious? Why yeah. am I having these panic attacks? And you understand like, and you can go deeper, right? Okay. I'm anxious about my health. Why is that? Cause there's always a deeper reason as to why yeah. we feel the way we do. Yeah. And you're still honoring those thoughts, but kind of working through them and redirecting your belief system around that. Yeah, absolutely. Now I'm curious on your journey. I know you kind of, or Kundalini found you, but were there any other types of meditation that you kind of explored a little bit throughout your journey? So in the beginning, before the practice found me, I was trying, I was going to like in-person groups, meditations, I guess guided meditations. I did try a few of them, but then once I found this, I was like, oh, wow, this is just what I need. And from there, I'm still open. I love trying new things because we never know like what will impact us and what will really help us go even deeper. But for now, this is this is a really big part of my journey and accessing it because it's what it has done for me and now what I see it, it can do for so many other people as well. It has literally changed my life in, in the most wild of ways and it's working. So I'm going to keep working, <laughs> working it. And I think what's really cool is it's such an ancient practice, yes. but you're helping bring it to the more modern society that we live in. And oftentimes you think of you know, yoga, meditation, and you think of people being in the mountains and being in nature, yeah. which is great, right? I mean, being surrounded by nature is incredibly healing, but the fact that people are realizing that sometimes when you live in like cities like Manhattan or really overpopulated places, that's where you might need it even more because you're yeah, constantly bombarded and surrounded by so much. So it's so it's true that to have a practice regardless of where you live, but definitely if you live in these fast paced cities. It's so true. It really is. And I recently posted something on Instagram about the, if we could just take a moment to think of like the soundtrack of our life and our energy, like what is the sound or the song or the melody that's playing in our minds? And like, when I think of New York City, it's like, like really fast paced and intense. And it's so true. And just by doing that exercise, you could just see where your nervous system is and like how it's functioning and if you're in that space of fight or flight and calm it down. And in those, in those environments, it is most important to be able to really ground and clear. And the thing is with this practice, it actually does make you more sensitive. So you might be in the city and you might be doing well and wonderful. And then you start to practice and slow down. And then you start to realize like, whoa, wait a minute, maybe I need a slower pace, or maybe I just need to implement some practices that can help me better manage the environments I'm in. Absolutely. And I know you live in New York, so you probably work with a lot of people who perhaps live in the city or people mm -hmm. who are like, I don't have time to meditate or I can't meditate. So what do you say to those individuals? <sighs> well, <laughs> I first 
if I'm working one-on-one with someone who truly wants to find the practice and feels like they do not, they really can't find the time, I will ask them just to tell me what their morning looks like. And I've, I've met with so many new mothers and people who really, time is very limited for people. And I understand that. But for someone who's a new mother, I, I said literally while you're feeding your baby, that can be your time. Just play a mantra and connect to your breath. Your eyes can be open and you can do what you have to do, but just make it a conscious moment of breathing. And I think that there is time. We just have to be creative in how we find it. We may need to wake up a little bit earlier and reorganize the time that we we're spending elsewhere. But I know that if someone really is, first of all, meant to find the practice and really needs a shift and is ready and willing, the time will open up for them in some way and they'll find it. Yeah. And I think that also, you know, when you really sort of cut back and like look at how your day is scheduled and evolves, I think we all realize that we actually do waste some time throughout the day doing other things, right? That aren't Mm -hmm. serving us. I mean, regardless of how productive we are, there's definitely, I'm sure at least an hour a day where we're either scrolling on our phones or watching a show that maybe isn't the best use of our time. So I, I really do believe that that almost everyone could find some time to meditate, even if it's just five to 10 minutes a day. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. The scrolling. It's yeah. like, <laughs> oh gosh. That's it's the world a lot. We live in. It's yeah. a lot. Yeah. That's why I think, again, now more than ever, this kind of work is extremely important. And I think it's going to continue to get more important just because regardless of where you live, you're just bombarded, right? By so much energy, so so many thoughts of other people just constantly bombarding us. And so really going inward and like finding that inner voice and what it is that we feel, what it is that we want to do, I think more challenging now than it has been before. Absolutely. And that brings us to the age of information that we're living in and how we have access to so much and we're bombarded with so much information, so many different opinions. And this, the practice, I'm I'm sure any meditation practice, but this one specifically really helps you to access your intuition so that you can be guided to know what is best for you. And there are actually specific meditations for the age of information, for mega information syndrome and all of all the things that we're facing now, there actually are practices to help us through because they knew that this was coming and the evolution of the Aquarian age and the age of information was coming. So there are meditations for that. I love that. I think that's super important. Yeah. And that kind of brings me to a new question because obviously before you were living in this, like this state of anxiety or panic, right? So you have family, loved ones, friends who saw you transition into becoming into like, you know, meditation and yoga and Kundalini. So I'm sure there were some people that were trying to maybe thought it was a little bit woo woo or change your mind on things. So how was that transition? Did that happen to you? And if so, how are you able to navigate that? Yeah. So I remember literally the day I decided to sign up for training, I told my husband, I'm like, don't worry, I'm not going to teach yoga. I'm not going to be a Kundalini yogi. That's not what I'm going for. I'm just going to really find what I am meant to do. (laughs) And then day two, it was like, oh, wow, I've arrived. Here I am. This is what I'm meant to do. But yeah, so I was in a very traditional setting of teaching on Long Island. I did a wonderful job 
in a wonderful school district with amazing coworkers and staff and families. And it was all that my parents hoped for, for me. I was married and I had the job that they knew I could always be independent on my own. I was like, yeah, there's a plot twist here. Actually, I'm not going to be doing this anymore. And that was really hard. I think for my husband, it was, he's, he's so great. He has such a pure soul and he's, I don't know if you guys are into astrology, but his moon's in Aquarius. So he it's yeah. in there, you know, We're very and, astrology. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. So I knew it was in there and he was, just, he was more concerned about what other people would think like his family and my family and other people, but it was hard. It was really hard for our families to understand that I'd be, I had a master's degree plus I was certified to be an administrator, superintendent, a principal. And it was hard for them to understand how after all of this education and doing really well in my career, why I would take this turn. But it was something I definitely spent a lot of time convincing other people that was right for me. Like I spent a lot of time and energy because I was convincing myself as well because I was scared. Honestly, I was nervous to make such a big change and leave my health benefits and my pension and the whole the whole thing. But I realized when 2020 was here and we were all home, that's when I really realized I'm like, okay, this this has to be what I do. Like, this is what I'm meant to do. I feel very much in alignment. And despite everything going on, I just knew that this is what I was meant to do. And I ended up going back to school the next year, although I didn't really want to. And that year made it so clear to me. And it was a challenge and it was a lot of back and forth in my own mind and with people that I loved. But at the end of the day, I think if anyone's going through this, the people that love you are they really, I heard this quote somewhere actually, like your parents aren't going to care how happy you are. They want to know you're safe and like taken care of. And that's really it. Like they don't really care how joyful, of course they want you to be happy, but at the end of the day, it's like security, safety, and that you're going to be okay. And I understood that. And I appreciated that quote wherever it came, came to that. But our with time moving so quickly and things advancing so quickly and people having jobs that never existed before, the generations before us are going to have difficulty understanding that. And they're going to have a lot of difficulty seeing the person that they love step into that. But I think as clear as you can be, and if there's that deep inner knowing of what you're meant to do, I was nervous not to listen to that because I felt so so much gratitude to know my purpose. And I wasn't willing to give that up or let that pass me by. So that was also a motivator to step into this and and appreciate it and honor it and have so much respect for it and approach it with gratitude every single day. That's amazing. And that's super, super inspiring as well, because I feel like a lot of people are probably in a situation, right, where they take the more traditional route due to societal pressure, you you finish your education, all these different things. But, you know, often we have that inner voice and that intuition, which is telling us what we're meant to do. And I think a lot of people choose to ignore that voice, but that's really where the magic lies and tapping into that and listening to that and seeing where it takes you, even though it is risky and you don't know how it's going to end up, I think is super important. Yeah. It is. And I recently, I wish I remembered where I collect these quotes from. I'm an air sign, so I'm just flying all over the place. I was just going to ask you, what sign are you? (laughs) A Libra. A Libra sun, Aquarius moon, and a Leo rising. So I'm a Leo rising as well. So we have that in common. I love that. What are your other signs? I'm a Scorpio sun. I'm actually a five planet Scorpio. 
Oh, wow. Um, yeah, Leo rising, Libra moon. Oh, nice. We have a lot in common. And what yeah, about you? I'm an Aries in my sun and ascendant, and I'm a Leo moon. Oh, my goodness. I love this. I love this energy. <laughs> yeah. Strong energy. When is yeah. your birthday? October? October 19th. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. yeah. I was saying another quote, but I forgot it. I forgot what I was talking about. Yeah. Here. Uh, my hair. hair. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, before that was where the quote came in, but I said I forgot it because I'm an air sign. It's okay. If it comes It'll back come. later. It will come. It'll come when it's supposed <laughs> to, right? <laughs> yes. Well, something I want. I remember to ask it. I remember it. Oh, perfect. Not not taking the risk is actually the risk. So, like by not doing what you think is a risk, there's still a risk there. So, which risk are you willing to take and not take? I like that. I like yeah. that a lot. And somebody recently told me something which was very deep, and I hadn't heard it before. And they asked me. They said, "Where do you think the most valuable place in the world is?" And obviously, I started like naming a bunch of things. And he said, "No, it's actually a cemetery." And I'm like, "Huh? What are you talking about?" He's like, "Because the amount of ideas that died with you know the people that died that they oh. didn't choose to pursue, wow. right? Like all the ideas they had that they you know oh. talked themselves out of. If only each wow. of these people would." Right. If only oh each of them goodness. would actually pursue those things, the amount of value that would bring to the world. So, oh my goodness, you know, I think that's a really interesting way to think about the fact that a lot of people go through life without reaching their full potential yeah. out of fear or out of that fear of acceptance. And yeah. hopefully, this reminds people to to take that leap if they believe in it. Yeah, I definitely look at life as something that's really precious. I understand that it's hard to end up here and reincarnate here, and the fact that. We, in this lifetime, in this body, we get one experience and we don't know how long it will be. And it seems to be going really quickly. I don't know about you guys, but time's flying. And yeah, to not make the most of it and not do what make brings you so much joy and fulfillment is um, that's more frightening to me than taking the risk of leaving everything that I had and following it. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that. Yeah. Um, and then on that topic of, you know, really enjoying life and how precious it is, I want to speak with you about relationships and dealing with negativity, because oftentimes we might be doing a lot of inner work and we might be in the right headspace. And then we might encounter people on a daily basis, let it be family members, friends, coworkers yeah. that might not be there and might be extraordinarily negative. Yeah. And sometimes blocking ourselves from that could be challenging. So how do you yeah. approach, you know, people around you that might be negative? And what are some tips that you have for people out there that have relationships, which are not easy to avoid, right? Not just like a friendship yeah. that they could maybe move past, but maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's somebody that they're tied to, and they need some help protecting themselves against all that negativity. Yeah, it's so I actually did a reel on this today. And the overwhelming response like people are definitely feeling this. So I think this is such a good question. And I was able to like get a snapshot of that today from what I put out. But basically my meditation practice is my armor. It clears me. It cleanses me of my BS. So I don't take it anywhere else and project it onto anybody else. I'm doing my work, not just for me, but for the people I love in my life. So I could be 
the clearest. I can be the purest. I could be the most empathetic and really removing my ego, removing my traumas and my wounds and come from a space of love. Because if we have a lot of hurt in our body, it's very easy to bring that to other people. And when we heal ourselves and we clear ourselves, everyone around us is impacted. So I really believe it all starts with us. With that being said, I'm going to stop myself right there because we cannot help other people change. And if there are toxic people in our lives, quote unquote, toxic people, it doesn't mean that it's our responsibility to change them. But what is our responsibility is the energy that we hold and that we share. And by shifting our energy, you will be so surprised how the energy of people around you shifts. And it's it happens pretty quickly once you start doing this work. But With that being said, we could do all the work in the world and we can try to help other people. But if they want to be where they are, which could be a very low frequency state or toxic state, that really is up to them and it's not up to us to change them and it might be part of their life path. So there are a lot of things I do to protect myself from energy. And sometimes I find that it's the people we love the most that can really bring up those different energies or frequencies or triggers within ourselves. So I don't want anyone to feel bad about, I was talking to someone today and she was like, it's my sister. I'm like, you know what? Sometimes family is the hardest. And she was almost relieved that I said that because it's hard to think that about family and the people we're closest to. So one thing I make sure to do is my meditation practice. Specifically, I love chanting in the morning because if I, if I know that my energy might be challenged or I'm going in a place where I just need an extra boost of protection, I will add a chant to the end of my meditation because I really feel my field and we all have a field around us. I feel my field expands when I practice that. And if you're not familiar with your field, you can just take a moment to visualize this energy around you, almost like a shield of energy. And it could expand three, six, nine feet around your body and just visualizing this huge white light or shield of energy, however you want to visualize it. And then when you go into these places or situations or into these relationships, you can visually see it there. I also think sometimes the people closest to us may challenge us as well. And always looking, trying, challenging yourself to look from a lens of love and compassion. Because sometimes we look from a, I don't want to say a self-centered space, but we were almost on the defense and where we could be waiting for someone to bring a trigger, bring up a trigger or waiting for someone to extend that not so positive reaction they typically do and almost expect it. But if we could come from a more, a softer place, a space of openness, a space of love and compassion, I think that could also change the frequency and dynamic too. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think, like you said, a lot of the times we can come from like this defensive stand where we think if someone's behaving a certain way towards us, we get a little bit more sensitive about it, but sometimes more so about the other person than it is yourself that protection in any way, like you said, and there's other practices that people do as well, like cutting a knot or there's other things, but whatever helps you kind of separate yourself or protect yourself, I think is really valuable. Yeah. Now, do you, are you a fan of like visualization meditations and is that a part of your practice as well? 
Yeah. So in, in my practice and the way that I teach, I do bring in visualizations and I think it's important to, a lot of people will say to me, like, I was never able to meditate before and now I finally am. And I think part of that is having people understand that they're allowed to think during meditation. They're allowed to bring in thoughts. They're allowed to bring in visualizations and it still works. It still works even if that's happening. So yeah, I love bringing in visualization. I love bringing in thoughts of gratitude because that really helps to boost our frequency and bring us into a higher state so that we could attract more things to be grateful about and visualizing healing, whether it be in our body or out in our aura. I think it's important. I totally agree. And I feel something that's become a a buzz term that we obviously have known about for a long time, and I'm sure you have, is manifestation, right? I feel like everybody now has the word manifestation in their vocabulary without maybe not even fully realizing what it is or, or how to practice it. So what are your views on manifestation? And for people who are interested in like a manifestation practice, where are some good places to start? Yeah. So I just did a manifestation challenge in January. I'm like, if I say this word one more time and like it is, it's like being so, I don't want to say overused. I'm actually really excited because it like for me, yes, I've been using this word for probably every day for the past, I don't know, six years, but it's, this is what we wanted. We wanted people to understand and see that they are a powerful co-creator and that they can create their reality and that their thoughts will create their experience or at least assist in that experience. So I do think, yes, it's it's floating around mainstream and I think it's amazing and it really shows the evolution of all of our consciousness and that we're taking a lot of responsibility and power over the reality we're creating. To me, manifestation means being able to co create an experience. So having dreaming something, intending for it, and then allowing that to be part of your actual experience here in the 3D realm. And I have so many manifestation tips. I did a challenge. It's actually still all available on the app or my website of all by Erica. But there are very specific meditations that bring us to the frequency to be able to attract in and and magnetize our manifest. And that's the meditation that we practice all throughout January. And it's incredible to hear people's experiences and what has come for them. But I think if you are just starting with a manifestation practice, taking time, it could be each day, it could be however often, jotting down what you're grateful for that exists in the here and now, and then jotting down whatever it is that you want to bring in and really feeling the excitement of that being possible. Because a really big part of manifestation is believing that that can happen for you and believing that you can create that and believing in yourself and that you're worthy of that. So I think that's a great place to start and a very powerful piece of it. Because if we write down something and we're like, this is never going to happen, we're not a frequency match to make that happen and to bring that in. I love that you said that we're like, we're worthy of receiving that. Because I think a lot of times that goes back to those self-limiting beliefs. Like, yeah, you can say, I want all these things, but if deep down, you don't believe that you're even deserving of that, where is your frequency? Like you said, you know, so I do think that exactly. Absolutely. Now I know you work with people as well as clients and you do soul sessions. So what does that entail? Because that looks really interesting. 
Yeah. So right now I offer, in addition to the app and the subscription, I offer soul sessions, which is we meet on a Zoom and I hear about the intention of the session. So whatever has guided someone there, it could have, it could be that they just want to start implementing a meditation practice and want me as a guide and one-on-one support. It could be something in the area of manifestation, something in the area, really anything, anything. And from what I gather and what I hear from them, plus however I'm guided after tuning in, I come up with meditations that are curated to their specific needs. So it's a very individualized set of meditations based off of whatever it is that they are are seeking. And there's a very large list of many, many kundalini meditations and just being able to give someone something very specific to their needs can be quite transformative. And if they stick with it and they're doing the work each day, it can lead to really amazing changes and shifts. That's amazing. That really is incredible. And I think that's probably also really helpful for people who are just getting started and maybe need more accountability with their practice. Because as we know, it's all about consistency, right? I mean, it really is. It's a lifestyle. It's not something that you just sort of check off. It really is a lifestyle. And that's something I wanted to ask you about because I feel Oftentimes when we implement something into our routine that we start doing every day, we could have that mindset where it almost becomes a job, right? It's like, oh, I need to meditate today. So like you're meditating, but you're not really enjoying it or in it because yeah, Yeah. it's it's just like a task. So how do we make it feel more exciting and something that we look forward to rather than just like a task? Such a good question. I think you have to find the practice that you love that takes you to that space. What I feel in my meditations is something I never want to miss out on each day. Like it is my favorite time of the day. I mean, pure love, pure consciousness, oneness, peace, bliss, euphoric energy. It's just something that I would never want to miss out on. So I think finding what feels good for you, because if we're sitting there and we're dreading it and we're not enjoying it, that is not the point. So it, it should be like the high of your day. It should be that space where you feel so good, so aligned. And there's so many days where I don't want to come out <laughs> and I just want to stay there. But finding that and being able to go to that each morning. And I also think that doing it first thing in the morning is really important because once our conscious mind starts firing, we're going to be sitting there just thinking about all that we have to do and feel like this isn't as important because there's more pressing matters. But when we can do this first thing in the morning before everything else, we will be so much more efficient, so much more focused, so much more energized calmer, patient, grounded throughout the day. So finding what works for you and on the days where it feels like a chore, maybe mix it up, find something new to do or bring some excitement to it or just take one deep conscious breath if your day's too busy and it's going to feel like just something you have to do. Those are some suggestions I would give for that. I like that you mentioned taking like a deep conscious breath because I mean, obviously we all breathe every day, but I feel like a lot of times we're not taking deep, full breaths and we're not really getting that full benefit out of our breath. So I think it's important to be more mindful of our breath. Yeah. So I'm curious what your day looks like. Like, Do you have a morning routine? It seems (laughs) things that you kind of stick to. So I'm curious what that routine looks like. 
Yeah. So every morning I wake up, I aim for before sunrise. Right now it's later, which is really nice, around six o'clock, six thirty sometimes. And right outside of my bed, I have my meditation station set up. When I first moved into the house, I thought that this, my office, would be my meditation room, like a room dedicated to meditation. And then I quickly realized, like, no, you have to literally get out of bed and go right to that spot, right outside your bed, because if you start walking around, you're going to get distracted. And that's how easy, easily we could be taken off that path. So I get up and I go right into my meditation. I tune in with a mantra. I usually always do breath work. That's usually something that's consistent every single day. Sometimes I'll add some movement before breath work if I know that I have a great deal of time. And then a lot of these, I like to add a mantra after the breath work. And then after sealing up my practice, I just started tongue scraping. I can't believe it took me this long. Very excited about that. It's been wonderful. And, you know, do all of the physical body hygiene things. And then I have a lot of lemon water just to really clear everything out, get the bowels going and cleansing everything. Sometimes I add chlorophyll to it. And I've also added in recently, which I've been loving, like a mushroom latte. So I just love this one brand that makes like chai or mocha. I don't do coffee because I gave it up when I was having panic attacks. It still just gives me a huge caffeine spike. I'm very sensitive. So I'll do matcha, which doesn't give me that spike or chai or the mocha blends with um, adaptogens and mushrooms in it. And I just love that in the morning. And I try to get some direct sunlight when it's sunny, but in New York in the winter, it's like not that great. (laughs) But when it's sunny, I just stick my head out and get some sunshine. Yeah. That's super important. Exposure to the sun definitely impacts how we feel our mood overall health. It's so true. Yeah, for sure. Now, something I wanted to speak with you about a little bit as well is the importance of how we speak to ourselves, because I mm-hmm. feel it's really common, especially I feel, you know, in our culture to say degrading things about ourselves, but even in like a joke setting, right? Like people yeah. will, instead of saying that something's funny, they'll be like, I'm dead or just these negative connotation yes. words, which yes. what, what we speak is obviously super important. So how do you view the importance of how we speak to ourselves? And if, you know, somebody out there without even necessarily realizing it, is guilty of using the negative often when speaking about themselves. What are some tips to start to change that? Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up, especially like the, oh my gosh, I'm dead, that if it's something so funny or I'm unwell, these are things that really irk me (laughs) because we want to be well. (laughs) We want to be well. So I think I know that our words are so powerful and the way we speak to ourselves, that inner dialogue is so important and it's felt. And I think that's what contributes to that radiance. Like when you see someone and they just catch your attention and it may not be their physical looks or clothes, but there's something about them that catches your eye. It's it's their radiance. It's their aura. It's the energy they're emitting. And as we move into these higher realms of consciousness and just overall how our consciousness is elevating on earth, I think that more and more of us will realize that and tune into that. But I think a lot of that starts from within and the inner dialogue. And it's so important to speak to yourself the way you would speak to the person you love the most. And hopefully that's positively because 
we, we want to spread love and especially to the people we love the most, but you want to treat yourself how you want to be treated. So starting to recognize the dialogue that you have within yourself, the words that you say and thinking about the meaning and thinking about the, everything has a frequency. I'm unwell is not a high frequency. I'm well, it feels better in our body. So thinking about the words you say, the words you think, or the, the thoughts you think, and just starting to take inventory of the frequency of them. How do they make you feel? And as you're on this journey and as you start to do this work and as you start to meditate and open up deep more and more, you'll feel into the shifts. They're, they're there. For some people, it might be like, oh, my words don't have hold in energy. Everything does. And as we go on this journey, we do become more and more sensitive to actually feel feel the power of them and the frequency of them. So it is very important. And when I see patients who have trouble saying those things to themselves or saying nice things about themselves, I just tell them to get a baby photo and put oh, a baby I photo of themselves that. on the mirror. And I'm like, if you can't tell, love love yourself, tell your, you know, the seven-year-old version of yourself, because you're not going to tell seven-year-old Erica or Johnny yeah. things that you feel comfortable saying to yourself on a daily basis. I love that so much. That's beautiful. It's so true. It's important. And a lot of times people tear up because I'm then sure. you actually understand the things that you've been telling yourself. It's it's horrible. We're sometimes our worst critics when we 100%. can- 100%. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good tip, Lorena. I like that. And for inner healing, like inner child healing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So obviously we're always on this healing journey, right? So even though you found Kundalini in this amazing practice, it's not to say that sometimes you might feel a little anxious or things, challenges come up that may put you back in that state. So how do you work through those things on a daily basis? I think by being really honest with yourself and taking what you've learned through the practice and really embodying it and living it and holding yourself accountable to it is important. And yeah, the anxious thoughts can come back or thoughts of fear can come back, but realigning to, to what you know to be true and coming out of like, we, we have a choice. Like, do we want to go into the energy of fear? Do we want to create more energy around that emotion? Or do we want to choose another emotion of where, how we want to feel in this moment? So I think by the practice has really shifted so much within me. And I think that's part of this answer where I, I felt, um, in the beginning, I would say, I feel like when I was trying to describe basically a spiritual awakening to people who had no idea what was going on with me, I was just like, I feel like I got a new set of eyes and I can access more of my brain. And, and I was accessing more because we, that's what we do. We could access more of it when we start to do this breath work of meditation and activate more DNA. But the wisdom that starts to come in through the practice and the insight and the perspective, and most importantly, the faith and surrender, that's something that going back to exactly what you said, how we started, like when someone has an anxiety or a reoccurring thought of fear, like there is a root to it. Like, where is it coming from? And it was not trusting the life plan, not trusting the divine plan, not trusting, thinking at any moment something can happen and not 
fully understanding that I wasn't in control, but there is a greater source or energy that is. So I think working towards what the practice has really brought is that space of surrender and trust in all things and in the divine plan, as hard as it can be. I think that's where I go in the really challenging moments. I remind myself of the trust that I have created or that we've created and just reminding myself of that. Yeah. And again, it takes reminders, right? I mean, things come up, life is busy. We often forget that, you know, ultimately we're not really in control, right? There's a lot of things out of our controls. So taking that moment to remind ourselves that is super important. Now, are there any books or documentaries or movies that have helped you on your journey to, you know, gaining all this incredible insight that you now have? Yes. I absolutely love Esther Hicks. Do you guys know Esther Hicks? Yeah. 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 I love um, one of the first books I listened to. I remember listening to the audio. It was called Money and the Law of Attraction. And it gave me everything I needed regarding my health anxiety, which was so interesting because based on the title, I don't even know how I ended up with that book at that time. Um, But I really feel like you get what you need from that. And that really helped me to start to shift my mindset. I love listening to Joe Dispenza, Dr. Joe Dispenza. He's on Gaia a lot. So I love tuning into him. A book that really helped me to take manifestation to the next level was Seven Spiritual Laws of Success by Deepak Chopra. I'm trying to think what other ones. Those are like the first ones that come to mind. But I also love the book. And Lorena, you might like this book too, Cured by Dr. Jeffrey Rediger. I don't know if you've read it. Mm-hmm. One of my favorites. Amazing That's a good book. one. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, and the Deepak one is good as well. I actually did a meditation with him yesterday. He's in Miami and he had an event that I was at, which was amazing. Oh, cool. How was it? It was great. It was right on the beach during sunset. So it was so super, nice. Super cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. Wow. Does he live yeah. there now? I don't think he lives there, but he's in town. So they like hosted an event where he did a Q&A and a meditation, which was really nice. But oh, cool. yeah, a lot of people are spending more time in Miami. So it's becoming yeah. a, a high frequency place. I love it. That's amazing. Yeah, that's funny. You you go to the beach now in Miami and everyone has like all their crystals and they're like inviting you to these sound baths. It's, it's very, it's nice to see, you know, that's incredible. I love it. (laughs) Now I know we spoke like a little bit about nutrition, but I'm curious, are you still plant-based? What are your views on nutrition and has that changed since you've been on this journey? Yeah. So, oh, it's such an interesting question at this moment. I'll explain why. So I have been plant-based for, oops, sorry, for about six years. Yeah, about six years. Definitely led to my spiritual awakening and just clearing a lot within my system and allowing me to be available to meditation. And that doesn't mean if you're not plant-based that you're not available to meditation. This was just how my journey went. It's a catalyst. It's something I I think I needed because I don't think I would have gotten there at that moment in time. And I've continued to be plant-based. More recently, I've been open to possibly trying some other things, mostly because over the last month, I've felt a little bored and I've never felt that way. And I know a lot of people who are plant-based say that. They're like, well, what will I eat? And I'm like, oh my goodness, you could eat everything. Like there's so much to eat. I always felt that way. But more recently, and I think it's um, around a certain time of the month in my cycle that I'm like, hmm, maybe an egg would be good. So I actually went out and bought eggs, like pasture-raised, non-GMO, organic. And I told my husband, 
husband, I'm like, don't touch these eggs. These are special eggs. <laughs> I get him organic. But like, if I was going to eat them, I'm like, I, I was told which ones to get. I'm like, okay. I'm like, don't eat these. These are for me. And now that I know the right ones, I'll get them for him too. I'm not gatekeeping, but I just didn't know until it was like, you know, put into my hands, but they just sat in my fridge. I'm like, okay, you can eat these now because I wasn't guided to it. So I'm, I think it's so important to be really open. I think in the last few years, we've gotten so caught up in titles and names of what we are and who we are. And I think it's so important. And I loved, I always loved being vegan and I love not eating animals. And I, I really don't want to ingest animals unless my body needs to. And I think, I think it's important to just stay flexible just as we need to in our bodies to stay young and healthy in our minds as well. And always being open to what we really need because what's best for someone else is not best for us. We're so much an individual and have individual needs. And I've loved my plant-based journey thus far. And my intention is to continue as long as my body is loving it just as much as my consciousness and my mind is. I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I do think that we have been caught up in these labels like well, I'm vegan, so I can never eat this. And sometimes we ignore the yeah. that our body is telling us. And so yeah. for me, kind of very similar. I was vegan for a short period of time. And then I was called to just start eating a little bit more fish. And I think sometimes women are different than men and each yes. is so different. And instead of feeling guilty about and kind of suppressing how our body is feeling, just leaning into it and going with our intuition because I just yeah. didn't feel called to eat them or didn't want them, yeah. but just listening to your body and not feeling like you have to be in this like title or category and because that's ever evolving too. Exactly. It's so true. Yeah, absolutely. Now a question that we love to ask all of our guests on this podcast is if you could sit down and have tea with anyone dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh, this is a good one. Honestly, like the first person I thought of was Jim Carrey. That's a good one. We haven't heard that before. <laughs> that would be fun. I mean, like he, yeah, I think he'd have a lot to share. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 That would be a really interesting one. Well, again, <laughs> we can make that happen, right? Hopefully he hears this and there we go. We'll set that up. Yes. Now for anyone out there who's going to listen to this, that wants to learn more about your work, you know, join your app, potentially work with you one-on-one -on -one, where are the best places to reach you at? So I'm always on Instagram. It's a lot, but I'm always there <laughs> at incal.xcal. And I have my website, evolvedbyerica.com. There's a place where we can get in touch. You could send a message and you can also visit the app. There's a seven-day free trial. And on each of those seven days, you receive a very approachable and introductory meditation um, to give you a taste of what the membership has to offer. That's amazing. And I want to commend you for all the great work that you're doing. You really are making something that's so important, but I feel like for a lot of people seems so out of reach or hard to understand, more accessible and more exciting and something that they can incorporate more consistently. So uh, again, commend you for all the amazing work that you're doing and really grateful that you joined us today and shared such great insight with us. I, I speak on behalf of both of us. We both learned a lot today. I know I definitely did. And uh, looking forward to putting some of the things that you spoke about into practice. Thank you guys. You're great. And it was so nice to connect. You too, Erica. Awesome. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thanks for joining us on our episode with the amazing Erica Polzinelli. Erica shared so much valuable wisdom with us. 
on how we can all more consistently and effectively incorporate meditation, mindfulness, and inner work into our daily lives. I don't know about you, but speaking with Erica left me feeling calmer and more excited to develop a more consistent meditation routine. As always, if you have any questions, please email us at podcast at drinkdowntoearth.com or get in touch with us on our Instagram at drinkdte. In the meantime, stay healthy and stay hydrated. Cheers. Now it's time for you to go out there and do at least one small thing to better your health today. Always choose to make your life a healthier, happier, and a more down-to-earth place. Until next time. Cheers to good health.